because we're going to be talking about how we're shaped and what our shape is. Sometimes we think we know what our shape is, uh, but sometimes we can be the worst judge of ourselves, right? And have maybe the least realistic or, or the least clear view of ourselves. And if we're going to serve God, I think it's important that we have a, a good understanding of who we are and what God is doing and how he can work through us in the unique way, the unique shape that he made us. After today, we have two more uh, sermons in this series on gifts, and then we're going to be moving on uh, to a, another series on evangelism. But here's my challenge to you. If you're kind of wrestling, where do I plug in? What do I do? I would encourage you after service today to walk out and go over to our counter, pick up one of our gifts books. There's a little study you can do, and we've got some couple groups that are going to be meeting to discuss this idea of giftedness. And I strong, it's going to only be four weeks. It's not the eternal class. Uh, it's just four weeks, uh, and you can pick Sundays or Wednesdays and come and kind of explore maybe how God wired you and how God wants to use you in service to his kingdom. Today, we're going to have you think about yourselves deeply. I'm going to give you some time to wrestle with some stuff this morning. I want you and each one of us to sort of engage in this honest uh, transparent self-evaluation of who we are. And we're going to talk, not, we're not just going to talk about spiritual gifts this morning. In fact, we're going to talk very little about spiritual gifts this morning. We've talked a lot about the divine gifts that God gives us. We're going to move a little bit beyond that. As we, begin, as we begin this morning, I would like us to stand, and Claire is going to come, one of our uh, youth group members. Claire is going to come up right now, and she's going to lead us. But I'm going to do it a little bit differently this morning. I want us, everybody stand. Everybody stand. And uh, I want us this morning to read in unison. Uh, as Claire uh, leads us, read out loud, all of us, and consider how God created you as we look at this psalm. You start. <laughs> For you, you created, created my, my inmost being. You, you knit, knit me together in my mother's womb. womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one, one of them, them came, came to, to be. be. Thank you, Claire. You may be seated. You were wonderfully made. I'm sure that's the first thing you thought when you got up this morning and stood in front of the mirror. You looked at that and said, I'm wonderfully made, right? No, you didn't do that? We're going to talk about how you were wonderfully made this morning, and we're going to do so by talking about our shape. And shape is an acronym. And we're going to look at a couple things this week and a couple things next week, and then the week after, we're going to talk about some of the things that prevent us from using our gifts. The acronym SHAPE stands for spiritual gifts. Now, we've talked a lot about them. We have a book that you can pick up in the lobby. You can sign up for a class to explore them more. We're going to talk about our heart, in other words, what are you passionate about? All of us have sort of these things that we are deeply passionate about that, that, that mean something to us. What are your abilities? In other words, what are you good at? 
What's your personality? Everybody has a different personality. Some are loud, some are quiet. Some are outgoing, some are more reserved. Some like to party, some like to be alone. And, and none of those personalities is good or bad, they just are, and we each have this unique personality. And then we'll talk about the E, which is experience. We all have a story, don't we? Everybody in here has a story. Uh, and all of our stories contain good parts, right? And parts that were maybe more difficult or, or harder parts. And a lot of times we look back on those things with some guilt and regret. But God can deliver us from those things. And, and next week we'll talk about this more. He can actually use our past experience, even our past brokenness, for his glory. Which is pretty cool, huh? So, we spent we, several weeks talking about gifts. This morning we're going to look at the first two, after gifts, heart and ability. We are each wildly different. Different abilities, different skill sets, different interests, stories, perspectives, different opinions, different relationships, different backgrounds, different places we were raised. We all come from this diverse sort of background. And yet God is in the business of knitting this diverse place together, all of us, and use it for his kingdom here in Lewis County. How cool is that? Let's start with this. The first one is heart. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? What are the things that you love? Are there people groups that you are passionate about? Most of us are passionate about our family. Uh, but most of us find that there are other sort of groups that we connect to and relate to. I've found in my life there are two groups that I connect to pretty well. Um, one is... Um, old people. I don't know why. I just love hanging out with older folks, folks that are a little older than me. I like the wisdom. Uh, I like the stories. Uh, and I've always sort of resonated with them. One I alluded to last week, I also, the other group I love working with is young people. Uh, and I, 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 I've always kind of, after my youth ministry experience, had this connection uh, to, to young people. Uh, one of our youth uh, workers, Chris, was with some guys out in the lobby a couple weeks ago, and they go, hey, we were wondering, uh, would you ever want to come and have a Nerf war with us? You know, Nerf guns and balls and stuff. I was so happy <laughs> to get that invite. You know, I was like, yeah, of course I would come and hit teenagers with Nerf projectiles. <laughs> Absolutely. Where do I sign up? And, and I just love that. I, I enjoy talking to young people. I enjoy the energy of young people. I enjoy the creativity of young people. And so I have these groups that I'm passionate about. Uh, there are other, you know, groups so that we feel an affinity for or a passion for. Uh, we have some of our, our folks here that have this passion for working with the poor and the downtrodden have this, these mercy-giving gifts that sort of parallel that passion. We have some that enjoy working with the disabled, uh, maybe have disabled children, have worked with disabled people over the years and have developed a real heart or passion for that. There's some here that are cross-cultural. They love working with other cultures. It's just part of their passion. And so if there's an opportunity to get on a plane or get in a 15-passenger van and go someplace where it's really different than right here, they're the first to sign up. 
And, and I would tell you this this morning. Enjoy that. Enjoy your passion. If God's made you passionate about something, celebrate that thing. And look for the possibility of service to God in that thing, right? So that's one way that we're passionate. And there's also activities that we're passionate about. Some of us love sports, right? Anybody watch the Mariner game yesterday? Anybody turn the Mariner game off yesterday? Yeah, don't turn the Mariner game off. They, they seem to enjoy chaos. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm a Husky fan, as I've let you know. I'm very depressed today. Not in a good mood about that, but, you know, uh, I'm learning. And, uh, but we have these passions. So for some, it's sports. Some, I, you know, I've talked to people over the years ago, and they go, you know, I just, I feel closest to God when I'm out in the wild, out in the wilderness, out in a hike. That's a passion. Some love the arts and just really enjoy music and uh, painting. There, how many in here love to fish? You know, fishermen? Come on. Yeah, there's, there's a few of you. A few more of you. Some people love to fish. Some like literature. These are things that are vital to who you are as a person. And oftentimes we tend to disconnect these things from our overall faith journey. Remember a couple weeks ago when I showed you sort of the wagon wheel illustration with God at the center? These different things. Well, all of these things fit into this circle around God where he's over all and can work through all and is in all. So when we think about the passions, the things that we love, don't let those things become disconnected from, from, from Jesus Christ. He can use all of those things. It's pretty cool. They're vital to who you are as a person. In fact, sometimes they, they're what we become known for. And if we can parallel those things with ministry, it can be pretty powerful, right? I want to introduce us this week, this week and next week to four biblical characters, one for each of the letters that we're looking at, heart, ability, personality, experience. For heart, I've, I've, I've chosen Nehemiah. Nehemiah is talked about occasionally in the church. He's, he's sort of an interesting man. He was governor of the Persian Judea region under Artaxerxes. He would have lived uh, about four to 500 years before the time of Christ. And we're introduced to Nehemiah in his own words in the book of Nehemiah, looking at the first four verses. Here's what we learn right off the bat. And right off the bat, Nehemiah gives us a snapshot of his heart. We see his heart right off the bat. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in, and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We see his heart right off the bat. His hometown, a community that is linked with God, with Yahweh, his holy city has been destroyed, and his heart breaks. 
I was thinking this week of, of the folks in South Florida. I was reading this morning that most of them don't have flood insurance. And I was praying this morning that the church of Jesus Christ would rise up with passionate people devoted to rebuilding communities. It's something about your, your hometown, the place you're raised. When it's destroyed, it gets to your heart. Furthermore, he's concerned for his people. He has this deep, deep passion. It burned inside him. It became kind of his singular focus. In fact, if you jump over to chapter 2, looking at verses 2 through 4, it says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. His heart won't leave him. He can't separate from that heart. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what do I want? You see what happens there? Nehemiah has this deep passion, and he takes a risk because of the passion. He addresses the king, who he's not convinced is going to be amenable to his cause. But the king asks him, what, does, what do you want? One of the things I think that if our heart is aligned with the mission of God, God will open doors for us even when things seem impossible. Amen. And that's what happens here. Verse four, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And he does. And Nehemiah rebuilds this place in 52 days. It's this remarkably fast transformation process that is fueled by this heart, this passion burning inside of Nehemiah. Despite great opposition, it just took him weeks to rebuild this city. It's amazing what God can do. Now, let me say this. Passion is a very interesting thing. And we need to be very careful with it. Most of us know that intense emotions can oftentimes inspire deep feelings which can lead us to do wrong things. So passion is something we need to be careful of, right? I was coming back from Wenatchee last week, and, or last night, and I stopped at the same gas station I stop at uh, every time uh, in Cleelum, and it was packed because it's the lowest gas price, I think, in the state. It's the Warrior Quick Stop if you're driving across I-90. Uh, and I was at the Warrior Quick Stop, and um, all of a sudden I heard yelling. Um, it was crazy. Like, I wondered if I was going to have to call cops. Somebody had pulled up with a lot of political stickers on their car, and the guy behind them didn't like the political stickers. So he started yelling at the occupants of the car and anyone else who would hear. And all of us were just sort of standing around. And I don't know the political persuasion of anybody around me, but I'm guessing nobody was persuaded by this. And everybody was probably dissuaded by it. And I just saw somebody whose passion got out of hand and didn't align uh, with, you know, you know, I don't know this person's spiritual background, but what I saw, and, and I recognize it, by the way, in myself, 
In your anger, do not sin. So passion can be this powerful fuel. But as human beings, if we are wise, we'll make sure that it is being regulated by the Holy Spirit, right? So when you feel imperative, uh, passionately, it's imperative that we ask God if it's something from him. God, I'm passionate about doing this. In the is this something from you, God? He will answer that prayer. Uh, a couple thoughts here on passion. Passion can kind of uh, motivate us in a number of different ways. Uh, back to Romans 12. We're in Romans 12 uh, recently. Romans 12, 15. It's a verse that might be familiar to a lot of you. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Our heart can be used in good times, and our heart can also be used in bad times or difficult times. Passion can be a deep love of people, of a people group or a certain activity. We can use our giftedness through our passion and service to others in the kingdom. If we see people celebrating, we can join right on in with them. When we see people mourning and hurting, when that speaks to our hearts, we can step right in and be involved with that group of people. Let me give you an example. On the upside, sports. Some of you are passionate about sports. Well, we have a thing that happens here in the summer called Summer Sports Jam, which is our outreach to our community during the summer months. And if you're passionate about sports and activities and working with young kids, this is a great opportunity for you to marry a passion, right, uh, with uh, a need, using your gifts. See how those things come together? Let me give you another example. Um, we had at the uh, at church I previously served at um, a large number of young people who, children who had disabilities. And I had a lady in my church who came to me one day and she said, I've always been uh, passionate about the disabled. I have some degree work in this area, and I'd like to minister to our disabled kids. <sighs> wow, right? And so this passion can be used in all sorts of different ways. Also, in terms of passion, our hearts can be drawn towards addressing injustice where we see it. When you look out across the world, are there issues that speak to your heart? Are there areas where you hurt for a certain group of people? You know, I, I, I kind of think that this lady who came to me regarding disabled children, she saw a group that just was not being, uh, whose needs were not being met in our particular church. And I was so happy that she said, can you use me? Can God use me was probably the big question she was asking. But here's the starting point, and this is a tough one. We have to be willing and we have to be willing to take a step. And that applies to everyone in here. We all have to be willing to move towards allowing God to use us. Sometimes it's risky. When I first got here, some of you remember uh, Pastor uh, Alan, who was with Alan and Kim, who are with you. Uh, they left me lists of people that they said, you probably should go have coffee with these people. And the list was really diverse and young and old and everything in between. Some of them were in formal leadership positions in the church, some of them not. But one of the couples that I was told I should meet with was Chris and Sarah Janik. And I've asked Sarah to come this morning. You've already seen Sarah once uh, up on the big screen. Uh, but I went and had uh, uh, coffee 
uh, with uh, Sarah at uh, Jimmy's. And uh, Sarah and Chris met me there and we started talking. And how long, do you, you guys came to the community how long ago? Two years. Th- two years? Two years ago, I'm gonna hand you that. Two years ago. And they said we were, you know, we were looking for a place where we could worship. We we're looking for a place, and you guys, are, they're, they're in their, I'll tell you, they're in their mid-20s. We're looking for a place where, where uh, we could worship, where there were people we could build relationships with. And then this couple in, the, in their mid-20s said, and we were looking for a place where we could serve. Do you know what that does to a pastor's heart when they hear that? Uh, it is profound. It's one of these moments where you look at people and go, oh, I think they're getting it. I think they understand. And so I asked Sarah, I just remembered this conversation this week as I was preparing this uh, message. Why was service important to you? Well, church to me is more than just Sunday morning. Um, It's something that I can be connected in and am able to call my own. And service is one of those ways that I feel like I can do that. I love to be with people, and I just love to get to know more people, so that's one of the ways we decided was the best way for us to call this church our home. So in in regards to specific ministry, where did your heart lead you? So I grew up in youth ministry at um, my, um, the church I grew up in, and I had some incredible mentors who are the reason I am still going to church today. So my heart has always been for those younger kids who just need a little help in their life during that stage. It's not an easy time to go through, and sometimes you just need a friend. Um, So that has always been, I love working with the youth, I love working with younger kids, and it's been a lot of fun to just get to know them and just be a friend for them when they're in need. They need that. They absolutely need that. Now, uh, we have given a gifts assessment, we've made a gifts assessment available to our congregation. I think we have right about 120 people who have taken, that's pretty cool, 120 people have taken that gifts assessment. And you can still do it if you go to our webpage, it's free. Um, what, what are your gifts uh, according to that? Um, my number one is shepherding, um, and then exhortation, and admin administration. Yeah, so how do you see that fitting into what you're doing in the church right now? So shepherding is really just loving on people, um, helping them through life, being there with them, and I would say that's a really big form of what I'm doing in youth. Um, Exhortation is encouragement, um, and that's something that everyone needs, and I see that in day-to-day life with my friends and with the kids. And then admin, I'm just, there's a lot of background stuff I do it. I mean, you'll see me in videos, which <laughs> are not my favorite thing to do, but I do them because it's needed, so. All right, well, thank you. Will you thank her for sharing with us this morning? Well, I'm gonna ask you one question. I'm gonna ask you one question that I didn't tell you I was gonna ask you, okay? I'm gonna throw you a curveball. How are you blessed by this? How does this bless you, service? As you're working with the teenagers, as you're... I think the kids really... I'm encouraged by seeing other people, too. So I'm blessed by the community that surrounds me. Um, So when I go out and build relationships with other people, it's the other people that bless me as well. I have a tight-knit family in this town, which 
is incredible to say because my family doesn't live close to me. So um, I would say that's one of the blessings that I have with this. Thank you, Sarah. Thank her for me. Interesting. Ministry became family. That's an interesting thing. It's interesting to see how, how God works. And some of you who've stepped out of ministry recognize that, right? This becomes sort of a, a close place where you can grow and develop. Our heart is so passionate. Now, if you look at your notes this morning, I'm just going to give you a couple minutes to fill in a couple things. First one is this. And just jot some things down if you got your notes. If you didn't grab a note this morning, think about this. Jot it down in the liner of your Bible. Grab a scrap piece of paper. You can even use our connection cards. You can... Uh, uh, mess with them and just write these things down. But what are three things that you love to do that bring joy and fulfillment in your life? You might want to take these home too. You can just take these home if you want further time. What are three things you just love to do that bring joy and fulfillment? I'll give you a couple seconds there. I'm going to move on here. What type of people do you enjoy or feel comfortable being around or would enjoy working with? Are there people, groups? I mentioned the disabled earlier, the youth, the children, senior adults, people your own age. I like working with business people. I like working in the sports community. What are the, what are the groups you enjoy working with? Now, I want you to think about an issue that's important. It could be here locally, it can be in the larger world. If you had the opportunity to change or fix that thing, what would you change and how would you change it? Now, a lot of us tend to think really globally with this question, you know. Uh, and th those are some good answers. Sometimes we think, but sometimes, you know, Sarah, when Sarah was talking, I realized something, because Sarah said something that actually applies to me as well, is that the reason you're in church is because when you were in youth group, there were adults who said, I'm going to connect with them, and I'm going to be a mentor to them, and I'm going to love them, and be a safe place for them. The reality is a lot of our kids in this community, and all of our communities in Lewis County, have no connections. Uh, they come from broken homes. We have a significant number below the poverty line. We have a lot that are in abusive situations. I'll tell you a ministry that's powerful that could use more people. And it's not even a ministry. It's not even a ministry, but it's administered by the state. Fostering. Fostering. What if the church was to make fostering a mission? Wow. You know, but what's, what's just something that you see? And then finally this, and you can take these home. I know we're not giving you adequate time, but then finally this. Is there a ministry at CCCOG that aligns with your passions? What is it? Some of them are going to be obvious. If you like children, working with children's ministry, you know. Uh, we have a ministry to the poor. Is that an area you'd like to plug in? Other, other areas, where would you like to plug in? Or where could you plug in? Take those home and wrestle with them. And I'm going to give you a couple more next week. I'm going to give you one more today. So the H is our heart. It's our passion. And heart and passion are deeply connected to our gifts. But what about the A? The A is ability. 
And, and I want you to think this way. What do other people say I'm good at? What do other people say you're good at? You want to know what you're good at, ask others. Ask trusted Christian friends. By the way, I don't think this is like narcissists looking the reflection. Uh, this, is, uh, 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 this is really an important self-evaluation. It's a great way to gain insight into how God created you. By the way, this also kind of gets back to why it's important that we have relationships in the church because other people can speak truth into our lives. The Holy Spirit can use people in your kind of circle to speak truth to you. And if you have sort of wise, trusted Christian friends and you can say, hey, where do you see me fitting in? What, what do you see my skill set? Those are valuable conversations. I've had mentors over the years where I've, I've done that. I, I think it's fair to say, what, what am I not good at? You know, if you're particularly brave, you know, that's the one you could ask. What, what am I not good at? And if you have a particularly trusted, close advisor who's also brutal, he'll let you know. Uh, but ask those folks. You may find it uh, encouraging and inspiring as people speak truth into your life and say, you know, I've observed this in you. I've, I've seen this as a place where you can, can work and serve. Sometimes we have blind spots when it comes to our own abilities, and that's why our own evaluation, while important, we can, we, a lot of us know some things we're good at, it's always helpful to get an outside opinion. I've never met a person who did not have a skill. Never. I've never, ever met a person that did not have a skill. When I got to, um, I've shared this story with some of you. When I got to Wenatchee one day, it's, I, it snowed heavily. Uh, and my office manager, Nancy, said, uh, who's driving the tractor this year? And I was like, we have a tractor? And then I thought, because you know, I grew up in Seattle, I thought, I'm going to go drive that tractor. I've never driven a tractor before, and it was an old, like 1970s John Deere tractor with a blade that was kept in this outbuilding that we used to scrape our parking lot and walks. So I went out there, and I drove, I'd never driven a tractor before, so I kind of figured it out in the lot and then did it, and I had fun. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Uh, like, one of the most fun times I've ever had in ministry was by myself driving a tractor. Um, I'll just be honest. It's like, you know, it's like a childhood fantasy. You're literally you have a tractor. And all of a sudden, I'm driving a tractor, and it was cool. Um, but uh, a couple things about the tractor. It was old, and I don't think they cared about safety or health when they built tractors in the 70s because it, like, had this ex exhaust pipe that vented into your face. So... Uh, every time I, I drove the tractor, I was, I was nauseated uh, for a long time afterwards. And, and uh, the other thing about the tractor I learned, too, is um, it snows a lot in Wenatchee. And uh, the church expected me to be doing, like, pastoring things uh, instead of driving a tractor. Uh, and so I was like, who can drive the tractor? And somebody goes, well, you've talked to Brady. And I'm like, who's Brady? And Brady was like this young guy in the church. And big kid and kind of rednecky and whatnot. But boy, he was Johnny on the spot with that tractor. And I could call him at any hour of the day and he'd be out there driving that tractor. And he was much better on the tractor than me. You know, I, I bring that story up because you know what a relief that was to a pastor to have somebody they could call in the middle of the night when it was snowing and ranchy to go plow? And I imagine that there are people that go, well, that's not really a gift or a skill set. 
I don't know if that's a big deal. It was a big deal to me. It was a big deal to me because if it got a lot of snow, there weren't people coming to church if they couldn't get into the church. And so everybody has a gift or a skill set. We've all met people that think they're great at everything. Isn't that the worst? Like people that kind of brag about their skill set and you know, they're, they're good at, and they, they just talk about how they're good at stuff. Uh, by the way, that's arrogance and it's a sin, right? But what about those who think they can do nothing? Is that really any less of a sin? Think about that for a second. God made each one of us. Philip Brooks was a 19th century minister. You've probably never heard of him, but you've sang one of his songs. He wrote the uh, Christmas song, A Little Town of Bethlehem. But Phillips once said this, he said, or Brooks said this, it's almost as presumptuous to think you can do nothing as to think you can do everything. And so if you're sitting here this morning thinking, I got nothing to give, that's a lie. And it's a lie from the devil. And it's designed to keep you from reaching your potential as a human being created in the image of God. And you need to get that out of your mind. Because you are valuable and you can do something. God created you with unique gifts and purposes. Uh, let's look at another person from Scripture. I want to talk a little bit about Tabitha. Tabitha. I think I have a, a famous oil painting here I want to show you. Uh, this is at the National Museum in London. And this is an oil painting uh, from, I think, the 15th or 16th century about uh, the healing of Tabitha. And you see here, uh, you see like uh, uh, the, the focal point, interestingly enough, is not Tabitha in this painting. There's Tabitha right there. She doesn't look well uh, because she's dead. And that'll do it for you. Um, and so she's laying there dead, and here's St. Peter right there about to raise her from the dead. But to me, if you pay real close attention, it's easy to lose this right here. See that? This woman here is holding some kind of a garment. And that, to me, is the central part of this story, if you look at it. Acts chapter 9. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, who also, whose name also uh, was Dorcas. So you see why she went by Tabitha, right? Because uh, you just do that, right? She was always good, doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Uh, Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, or Lydda, uh, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter met with him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Isn't that interesting? Here you have this woman who is got a passion for the poor and the disenfranchised. She's gone, and the loss is felt immensely and one of the reasons the loss is felt immensely is she had this unique skill set that's not particularly glamorous she was a seamstress right she could make clothing Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to, his, uh, to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. 
This became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. We don't know a lot about Tabitha, right? What we do know is what, what uh, is focused on here by, by Luke in the book of Acts. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that she'd made. You catch that? This skill set, this ability. Nothing spectacular, but incredibly powerful in the hands of God. Incredibly powerful in the hands of God. She also had this passion doing good and helping the poor. I don't know what her, we didn't give her a spiritual gifts assessment online, uh, but what I'm guessing is, is that Tabitha had the gift of mercy showing. This was a mercy shower, and God took this gift, mercy showing. He took this passion, helping the poor and those in need, and he took this ability, sewing, and he knitted them together, and because of it, word spread like wildfire. God can use your gifts. So let me give you a couple seconds to write a couple more things here. First one is this. What was your favorite subject in school? Sometimes we carry those things through life. Some are good at math. Some are good at art. What, you know, some are good at you know, uh, sports. What, what, what do you love growing up? What's something you think or tell people that you're really, really good at? Or excuse me, what are something people tell you that you're really good at? When others look at you, they go, oh, you are good at that. I wish I, could, I wish I could do that. Is there anything? And then what do you feel like you're good at? And then just sort of a catch-all, what are some things you just enjoy doing? With your hands, with your mind, what are those things? How can God knit those things together? And there's all sorts of ideas, acting, drama, music, arts, athletics, sports, cleaning, coaching, computers, technology, building, construction, cooking, decorating, designing, encouraging, speaking, photography, reading, education, teaching, visiting people, hosting or entertaining. By the way, we're starting a new small group ministry in January. We're looking for people who love to host who love to host. We'll be talking about that more in the coming weeks. The list can really be uh, endless. And like Tabitha, when your skills and talents are married with your heart and your giftedness, they are powerful. When you place your abilities into God's hands, they become a powerful tool for his purposes. Let me say that again. When you place your abilities into God's hands, they become a powerful tool for his purposes. Someone once said, most people wish to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. <laughs> let me say that again. Well, let me say it this way. Most people in here, most people in, that, that are in the church desire to serve God. But sadly, oftentimes, it's only in an advisory capacity. And God really doesn't need advisors. We're loose to be the hands and feet of Jesus to be these unique vessels that he has created with gifts, with passion, with abilities. Next week we'll talk about how personality and experience fits into this. But God can use every single one of us. 
Instead of advisors, I want us to think about ourselves in the way that Paul challenged the church in a place called Colossae to think. And I'm going to ask that we stand this morning and we, we uh, ended, or we started the morning by reading scripture together. I want to end by reading this scripture out loud. It's Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let's read this together. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.